So if you want to turn your Bibles today to the book of Esther, we're going to be in chapter 2 and going into chapter 3 this morning. We're going to be discussing the last of the three thieves of thanksgiving, or what it takes to be a thankful person, and talking about the sin of bitterness. When I was a teenager, believe it or not, as rotund as I am now, I was very much into martial arts. And I hung around with a group of guys as a teenagers who were always training, always sparring, always looking for new ways to fight and perfect our fighting technique. We got involved in competitive martial arts. Anybody ever seen Karate Kid? You know, that kind of thing, points fighting and all that kind of stuff. All of us had pads and even a couple of our parents let us cut the grass in our backyards extra short to mark off a sparring area, which is a little bit bigger than a boxing ring. Uh, sparring area within our backyard so that we could um, practice our technique and our martial arts and all that kind of stuff. So we'd all get together and we'd put our pads on today and we would agree on the rules for the day. Usually most of the time the rules for the day was half contact to the body, light contact to the head, and no kicks or blows or strikes or anything to the legs because our parents would get rather upset with us if we ended up in the emergency room. So we had to kind of take it easy on each other. For the most part, we followed the rules. Now, I wasn't any taller when I was a kid. I'm five foot six, wasn't any taller back then. And so I was by far the shortest person that was in my group of friends. And one of my friends, Steve, was about six inches taller than I was, as was most of my friends. They had significant reach advantages over me when we were sparring. And they learned very quick not to get that close to me because I was, I was pretty quick, but they would lunge in and do what's called a, a back fist to my head. And they would, you know, I'd be sitting there, boom, boom. And they would just do these lunge ins and outs and keep hitting me. And I was, you know, kind of getting grumpy about that because that's all they would do to me because I would block anything else. But for some reason, I had a lot of problems um, blocking that lunge punch. And it got to the point, you know, our, we were all hanging around together, our girlfriends are there, and they're all trying to make me look bad, and Steve was the worst. Steve would just be talking all kinds of garbage to me as he's doing this and, and making fun of me and doing all this kind of stuff. And one time, you know, we're sitting there and he just keeps with this stupid lunge punch coming in and popping me in the head. And so he started really dancing around because our girlfriends are there and he's showing off and he started doing the rope-a-dope thing and, and, and swinging at me and all kinds of stuff like that. And finally, I saw his tell. Finally, I saw like right before he was going to come in for this lunge punch, his forward toe would bend in slightly. And when I saw that, the next time he came in, I ducked and all I saw was ribs right there with him. And I wound up a punch from my toes all the way up and just smacked him hard right in the side of the chest. He went down on the ground just gasping, knocked the wind right out of him. That, you know, half contact thing kind of went out the window with that. And everybody's laughing at him now and I felt good about it. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, keep laughing. Keep laughing, guy. I'm going to get you next time. And he gets up and... Uh, and he's, he, he's, he's just mad. You can just see it in his face. He goes, oh, it's on now. It's on now. And he gets up and he, he, we wind back up and, you know, one of our friends is refereeing. And the way we would do it is we would join both of our hands and we would be like that at the beginning. And then they would say begin and we'd either punch, retreat, do something. And so he said begin and I saw the lunge punch coming. So I backed up a little bit. Well, it wasn't the lunge punch. It was a front kick. 
He claims to this day, if I was to talk to him, that he was aiming for my, ch my chest, didn't get quite up that high. It ended up about right here. And next thing I know, I'm on the ground rolling around and groaning in pain while everybody's laughing at me. And yep, it hit me right in the groin. And I felt like I just wanted to die. And I know every guy in here probably just winced a little bit. But life is like that, isn't it? Just when we think we scored a much needed points or once we think we're getting ahead in life, bam! Life hits you and you're rolling around in pain. And when life starts to land kick after kick and punch after punch and blow after blow, it affects the way that we look at life. It affects the way that we, we process what happens to us. And it even can affect how we view God. And if we're not careful, a root can form in our spirit. And it can produce a very bitter spirit and a very bitter heart within us. So today we're going to be concluding our series on the three things that steal our joy, our ability to be a thankful person, by, by talking about bitterness. We saw in the last few weeks how comparison can lead to envy. And envy can lead to jealousy. And if left alone and allowed to flourish, it will change us to a person that is filled with bitterness and anger. And everybody, uh, every one of us probably knows a person like that. We're going to study the Old Testament book of Esther today. And we're going to read of a young Hebrew girl who was carried away to Babylon after the destruction of Jerusalem. Her parents most likely died during that time. And she's being raised by her uncle Mordecai. Esther finds herself in a very unique situation. The queen of that country of the time had been banished. She had made the king angry king threw her out of the palace, and now he's holding a national beauty contest to see exactly who he wants to marry again. And Esther goes through treatments, she goes through all kinds of different things like that, and she wins this beauty contest, she wins the heart of the king, and she becomes the queen. And while all this is going on, her uncle Mordecai becomes one of the king's officials, and he uncovers a plot against the king, and that's where we pick up the story this morning. And, Morde and Esther... Chapter 2, verse 21, it says, During this time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Bigathai and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled upon poles. All of this was recorded in the book of the annals of the presence of the king. Starting in chapter 3. All after these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamathatha the Agite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down, nor pay him honor. And then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai, 
Instead, Haman looked at a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the entire kingdom of Xerxes. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, Lord, that as we study the life of Esther, of Mordecai, and especially of Haman, that you would show us the danger of allowing bitterness to dwell in our hearts, Father. I ask, Father, that you just use us to search and know us so that we can live lives that are pleasing to you and, are, and have maximum use in your kingdom during this time. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at the third personality trait that steals our ability to be thankful, and that is bitterness. We started with comparison, we talked about envy and jealousy, and now we're exploring the end result of comparison and envy, which is bitterness. And bitterness I would define this way. It's a bad outlook on life because of bad circumstances, and this outlook on life affects you this way. Someone helped hurt you, therefore you are going to hurt others. And we see this today in the life of Haman. Haman is a very bitter man who lashed out against anyone who slighted him. But what was the root of Haman's bitterness? What, what caused this man to be so bitter? Well, its root came from an act of disobedience that occurred long before he was even born. Growing up in Xerxes, Persia didn't help either. He grew up in a very pagan, very idolatrous, very me-first kind of culture. But a true root of his hatred of the Jews was something that happened to his family centuries ago that he's carrying around with him even to this day. What's this root of bitterness? Well, if you, if you look into 1 Samuel chapter 15, God gives King Saul an order. He tells him, wipe out all of the Amalekites. And when God says to wipe out all of a people, he's talking all of them. Men, women, children, babies, family, dog, livestock, everything has to go. God wants all of these evil people and everything they owned wiped off the earth. He does not want a single thing left behind to um, ensnare his people and draw them into the same evil he's destroying them for. So God gives them this command, wipe out all of the Amalekites. And Saul carries out this command. Not entirely, though. He takes spoils for his men. And among most of the sought-after spoils during that time of history would have been the women in the royal household of Amalek, one of whom was pregnant with Amalek's child. That son that Saul failed to destroy was the great-grandfather of Haman. Haman is carrying a grudge against the Jewish people that started hundreds of years before he was even born. And Haman had a pretty good reason for hating all Jews. I mean, after all, they wiped out his, family, his entire family. They wiped out his, a kingdom that he could have inherited. He could have been a prince there. He could have been a king there. And they took all that away from him. And all of us can identify with something like that. All of us have a trigger within our lives that can produce that kind of anger within us. All these have had these kind of hurts in our past. With some people, the mention of a name or the mention of a situation cause an automatic intense loathing or anger towards someone or even a hatred to well up inside of us. All of us have those kind of triggers. I had a former partner on the ambulance that every time we came across a patient with the name of Sarah, 
He wouldn't even look at her. He wouldn't talk to her. He didn't want to treat her. Didn't want to be anywhere near her. The only thing he was good for at that point was to go up front and drive to the hospital. And every time we would have um, a, a person named Sarah, um, who was the name of his ex-wife who had hurt him very badly, every time we had that, the next day he was going to have, uh, we were going to be going and picking him up either at a bar passed out or even passed out in the street a couple times in Elkhorn. So he would have this kind of visceral reaction against anybody named Sarah. And I talked to him a lot about it. I talked to him, and it's like, man, you got to give this up. You got to give, you know, forgive. You got, I, know, I know she did you wrong, but you got to, like, let this go. It's killing you, man. But he chose to hold on to that anger. He chose to hold on to that rage. He chose to hold on to that hurt. And it drove him to the consequences of bitterness, which was to wallow in his bitterness. Unfortunately, he died a few years ago, and he was the same bitter person I knew him to be 15 years ago. And he did the same thing that Haman did, is he wallowed in his bitterness. He allowed it to become part of who he was. And we've gotten really good at this in our time, or I should say really bad at it. We've made it into a media and political sport of our day. We have black people hating white people because of slavery. We have Jews hating Germans because of the Holocaust. We have Muslims hating Christians because of the Crusades and the various wars we fought in the Middle East on September 11, 2001. We even have Packer fans thinking Vikings fans are losers. So on and so forth. But that's what bitterness does. It's an irrational holding on to past hurts that consume us. When we choose to to view situations of people or even the reality we live in outside of how God views, us, views it, that we choose to believe a lie rather than to pursue the truth in all things. Joel Osteen gives a great illustration of what we're talking about. He tells a story of a missionary in Africa who said that years ago there was a terrible outbreak of disease in a tiny village in a remote part of Africa. Both children and adults were getting sick and being overcome with nausea and, 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 and some type of sickness. And several weeks passed and the sickness became widespread and people actually started dying from this illness. Word of the disease reached the main area of that, uh, the main city of that area. And they dispatched experts to try to figure out what's causing this illness. They soon discovered that the water was contaminated. You see, the, the water that the village used came from a mountain stream that was fed by a spring way up in the mountains. So the experts decided to trek upstream and into the mountains and find a source of the pollution. And they traveled for days and days and days, still taking samples, still finding it contaminated, taking samples. And they finally got all the way to the source of the spring. And they looked around, they couldn't figure out what was contaminating this spring, so they sent for scuba divers. And scuba divers went down to the source where they had this spring coming out, and they found that a mother hog and her pigs had somehow fallen off the rocks and gotten wedged right in the mouth of this spring. And so all this water is just going over the top of these rotting corpses of pigs, and it's going downstream and making people sick. So they went, out, went down there and got those dead pigs out, and the water began to flow clean and pure once again. So I would ask you a question this morning. 
What dead pigs are lurking in your past that's affecting your present now? Is there a root of bitterness somewhere in your past that is darkening your outlook today? What hurts have been done to you that you refuse to forgive and let go of? Giving it to Jesus Christ and letting him heal you of it. What mistakes have you made and consequences have destroyed your spirit and you're still wallowing in that kind of, of despair and hopelessness? Because Jesus didn't come to just save you from the eternal consequences of sin. He died and rose again to give you a new life. He died and rose again to give you a new heart, a new spirit, and a new outlook so that you can understand what the truth of life is as he sees it. In other words, don't be a Haman. Haman took great pleasure in his plans to bring Mordecai and the Jews into destruction. However, his plans did not end well. As he continued to read in the book of Esther, the king remembered that Mordecai saved his life and he wanted to honor him. So he asked Haman how the king should honor a man that has done a king a great service. Haman at this point in his life is so blinded by his bitter rage, so, so filled up with his own ego and pride that he thinks the king is talking about honoring him. And he comes up with this hugely elaborate way for the king to honor him, including having a royal official lead him through the city on a king's horse, proclaiming this man is valued by the king. The king is sold on the idea. And he tells Haman to go and do that not for himself, but for Mordecai, with Haman being the one that leads the horse. Now imagine a person consumed with bitterness and rage having to do all of that. The rest of Haman's plot to kill all the Jews falls apart, and he ends up having to beg Queen Esther to spare him. And the Bible says that the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine and as Haman was falling on the couch where King Esther was. He was, he was pleading for his life. And the king said, will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs and attendants, said to the king, moreover, the gallows that Haman had prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, are standing at Haman's house, and they're 50 cubits high. And the king said, go hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. And then the wrath of the king abated. So I want to speak to each one of us right now. This is the end of anyone who refuses to repent of bitterness or hatred toward other people. The Bible says you're going to be hanged on a gallows of your own making. If you name yourself a Christian, your Lord Jesus was very deliberate in his language when he said, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. Holding on to your hate, holding on to that anger, holding on to that hurt only empowers that person who harmed you. And it gives the devil free reign to mess up your soul and mess up your entire life. 
It's like plunging a knife into your own heart and hoping harm comes to that person. And you also kill any chance of God blessing you. Bitterness is a death sentence to us in every way imaginable and every way possible. So I want to end today's service with looking at freedom from the thieves of being thankful. The root of bitterness always comes from some type of unforgiveness. First, you need to learn to forgive those who hurt you. And this is not something that we can do within our natural humanity. It is not something that we can engender and drive up within ourselves. It's something you need to yield to the Holy Spirit to do. You're going to need God's help with forgiveness. And he knows that, and he gladly offers his help. Second, you need to forgive yourself and whatever part you may have had and what has hurt you or for your unforgiveness.